If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 152 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on August 28th, 2022. Yes, I did not take a single breath during all of that, so I had to just take it all back in. Well, I should say also, August 28th for you, because I'm going to start things off with an announcement. I'm actually recording this on Saturday night, the 27th. Right now at the time I'm taping, it's nearly 8 o'clock, so the game tonight on Saturday at the time I'm taping at least should be on in about an hour. So you guys are going to be getting this episode at the usual time, sometime tomorrow night on Sunday the 28th. So it'll be usual for you. You probably listen to it either tomorrow night or at some point throughout the week. But I am recording this just for you, for time purposes, just letting you know that I am recording this on Saturday night about an hour before the game starts. So that's the reason why I'm not recapping today's game. That's the reason why tomorrow's game, well, today for you on Sunday, is not even a discussion because for me, it has not even happened yet. Sunday has not even happened yet. So just giving you some context on that so you're not confused on the timing that I might mention throughout the episode. Now, another thing. If you do realize that my voice is a little bit raspy, I also have to apologize for that too because a little earlier today, I was watching the... YouTube boxing matches, the pay-per-view event with my brother and his friends, and did a lot of yelling. So, (laughs) my voice might not be necessarily at full capacity for this episode, but nonetheless, here we are. And on this August, well, the 27th for me, 28th for you, or at some point during the week, are the Yankees, dare I say, back? Because I must say, Since we spoke last, since I was saying on Sunday that I pray the Yankees held on to that 1-0 lead that they had at the time I was recording, they ultimately did, and since Aaron Boone last Saturday slammed on the table and said it's right in front of us, the Yankees have not lost a game. (laughs) Really, really surprising, jarring, amazing. When you think about it, considering the awful baseball that has been played by this team, like we've been going on and on about for weeks, for the better part of the last month and a half or two, the baseball that had been played was really tough to get through. And yet, here we are this week, with them winning two games against the Mets, finally, thank God, winning that last game against the Blue Jays on Sunday, as I said, thank God they did not get swept at home. And that would have made the standings a lot scarier as well in the AL East, which should not even in the slightest have the opportunity to be even a little scary, given where they were months ago, like we also talked about last week. So thank God they managed to notch one game last weekend, which they should have notched more than one, but hey, 
That's the kind of baseball they were playing. So they managed to get one. They beat the Mets twice in two awesome games that we'll talk about and recap in just a bit. And now, only two games have been played, at least at the time I'm recording. By the time you're listening to this, all four will have been played in Oakland. But at the time I'm taping, two have been played. And the Yankees have won both of the first two. So they're on a five-game winning streak now. After all the losing they've done, five-game winning streak. And it's pretty awesome to watch. And I don't care if it's only against the A's. Oh, the A's are a triple-A team. The A's are total crap. I've heard it all. And yes, while it's all true, well, let me explain to you why I could not give a crap less that it's just the A's, as people put it. Because like I've always said, you got to beat the bad ones too. That's number one. And number two, the Yankees couldn't play like this against the worst of the worst, like I said, for the better part of the last month and a half or two. So I don't care who it's against. They have clearly shown much better gameplay this past week, regardless of the opponent. How about when they beat the Mets two days in a row? They're a great opponent. I don't really see many people mentioning that. I just see people downplaying the fact that they're winning against the A's because it's just the A's. Well, what about the Mets games? What about that hard-fought victory against Toronto? Granted, yes, they lost three They lost three out of four. I'm aware of that. That sucked. But regardless of opponent, you're still going to crap on things? Even though the gameplay has finally shown some improvement this past week, I don't care who the opponent is. Because the last month and a half or so before this week, this past week, it didn't matter who they faced. The Yankees stunk. So against the A's or against whoever, I don't care. As long as they're showing that they're playing better, that's all that I care about. It really is. I understand that some of the negativity might come from People losing faith in the Yankees for the time that ultimately matters most. That, of course, being October, the playoffs, if they're to cross the Astros' path again. And that I understand. Because the Yankees have earned your skepticism. They have earned your doubt with the way that they have looked in the past month and a half or two prior to this past week's gameplay. They've earned that, and I think they know that. And I'm sure they're doing everything they can to turn it back around. But I said it a while back. I mean, despite being completely speechless about how horrendous and nightmarish the Yankees were playing, that they have proven that they're, in my opinion, not quite as good as they were for the first 70, 80 games, for basically the first half of the year. Not quite on that level, but they're also not as brutal (laughs) As they just played. And I think in this final stretch here, starting with this past week, even though it's far more improved, I do think that the Yankee team we're going to get is something in the middle of the two extremes that we have gotten up to this past week's point. I think we'll get a team somewhere in the middle. And even so, some people may still believe I don't think that team is good enough to make it all the way to the World Series. And on the path, maybe even defeating Houston along the way, because what are the chances of having to face them again and run through through them again? Probably very likely. Like I said, another instance of where have I seen this movie before? Who's going to end up with home field advantage? Who knows? That could be different than the last few years. But right now, it's on the path to being the same, because Houston has the best AL record still right now. They did finally lose last night against the Orioles. How about the Orioles? 
My God. <laughs> what they're continuing to do now, shutting out Houston on the road. In Houston. That team's a lot of fun. But the Yankees still have work to do. Like I said, my main concern is the best record in the AL. What happens in the NL, whatever. What do the Mets, the Dodgers, the Braves want to do as far as having a, having a better record than the Yankees, whatever. The Yankees don't have to worry about them unless they make it to the World Series. But my main thing right now is what's going on in the AL. And making it past the AL because... The Yankees have not even done that since 2009, so take the World Series out of your mind for now, as much as that's all that matters, of course. It's about winning, and I want that too, obviously. No, duh. (laughs) But right now, I want the Yankees to just worry about one thing at a time, and I'm sure that's, that's where their mentality is too. Why don't you try getting out of the American League first? Because while they haven't won the World Series since 2009, they haven't even won a pennant since 2009. They've got to get past the American League, whether it be a divisional opponent earlier on in the playoffs in the first round, potentially, or whether it be Houston again in the CS for the third try. Maybe the third time's a charm. Maybe it's not. A lot of people don't think that it is. A lot of people think that if they face off, especially because Houston doesn't really tend to hit a rough patch like the Yankees did these last two months. You can't even call it a rough patch. That's how brutal it got. Houston doesn't tend to go through massive times of just the worst kind of baseball, like the Yankees did. And because Houston tends to not make those kinds of mistakes on the extreme levels the Yankees do, people just don't seem to have much faith in the Yankees. And like I said, they've earned that. They have. Could they get it back? Sure. Do people have much belief in it? Doesn't sound like it to me. But my main concern is at least trying to get home field. If you don't think that home field matters, then you better stop lying to yourself. Because look at how the Yankees play at home as opposed to on the road. I mean, it's not the end-all, be-all. If you're meant to make it and you got the better team, you got to be able to win on the road, too. That's Trust me, I'm not disputing that either. And I even mentioned that on last week's episode, too. I'm well aware. Don't worry. But it matters. And you ought to try something different this time around, at least. Because the last two times when Houston had home field, I'd like for the series to finally be decided if it's to go 6 or 7 again, which it probably will. It'll probably find a way to get there. But I'd like for it, for once, to be decided at Yankee Stadium. Is that too much to ask? And you want to tell me that as a Yankee fan, you wouldn't feel at least a little more comfortable with it playing out like that rather than the series being decided in Houston again at the end? I'd rather it be Yankee Stadium personally. But thank God that this past week has happened because it's what the Yankees need. The last game against Toronto was a good, hard-fought victory. The two games against the Mets, I would definitely argue, helped in contributing to waking this team up. And now they've got an easier opponent this weekend against the A's that they have taken care of. Yesterday's game got a little sweaty at the end with Wandy, but it still worked out okay. And now tonight, again, you already know the results to this, and tomorrow's game when you listen tomorrow night, but tonight's game, Domingo Herman against Adam Aller, or Aller, I haven't even looked at how to pronounce that name yet, so you'll have to forgive me if I pronounced it wrong, but that's tonight's game, and like I said, it's starting at about an hour, give or take, and tomorrow afternoon's game, which is at four, is Clark Schmidt on the mound for the Yankees against Zach Logue, and Clark, obviously, 
taking to the rotation now. He has already been stretched out in AAA as we spoke about all that time ago and people using that as an excuse as to why they weren't calling him up because they were waiting for when they needed him as a starter. BS. Because guess what? He ended up being called back up anyway. Not as a starter, but thankfully he is up here already because now they're going to need him for a while because of what happened to Nestor. Which leads me pretty nicely into Yankees news for this past week. Speaking of Nestor and a bunch of other unfortunate injuries that have taken place. Because the injury bug just does not want to seem to stop biting these days. And it's really annoying because the Yankees have had their share of devastating injuries already. Michael King, Matt Carpenter, Stanton was out for as long as he was, just to name a few. But it didn't seem to stop this past week. And yeah, the Yankees got some nice returns, but I even saw someone say this on Twitter, and it couldn't be more true, it really couldn't be. But he said, oh my god, dude, it's just a soul for a soul every time. And it really seems to be that way. That just seems to be... Just the Yankees' luck. And it stinks. I hate it. (laughs) But why don't we start from the very beginning, going back to last Sunday when when it comes to Yankees news. Well, not an hour after last Sunday's game ended, the Yankees finally had a nice victory against Toronto. Well, you know that we can't have nice things. So, of course, something had to happen afterwards. A toll had to be paid. The bill came due (laughs) for something good, even as slight as a victory after a lot of losing. Well, the Yankees lost Scott Efros because he was experiencing shoulder stiffness after last Saturday's game, and after Sunday's game was when this announcement was dropped. So he was placed on the IL. He's been there ever since, so nearly a week now, pretty much, he's already on there. And this move was what finally as much as we all hated to see Efros go on the injured list, this is what finally forced the Yankees' hand into calling up Clark Schmidt. It's about freaking time, right? I mean, come on. I hate that it costed Efros, but I mean, how many injuries are going to have to happen? How many bad things are going to have to happen for this team to finally have to call up Clark? It's crazy. (laughs) absolutely crazy but everybody including myself is saying it's about freaking time Clark is back the closest and the best thing when it comes to a replacement for a Michael King out in the bullpen a multi-inning reliever someone who can slide into the starting rotation unfortunately like he's having to do right now in the place of Nesta Cortez which again we'll get to in a second but this is what finally did it Efros hitting the injured list and of course I hope they get Efros back as soon as possible because I loved how he looked out there. I think it's an awesome option to have a submarine right-hander out there or a sidearm right-hander, just a sidearm in general, out in your bullpen. I just think it's a good thing to have. Later on in the week, a few days later, they sent Florial back down to AAA and also announced that Zach Britton began his rehab assignment on Wednesday with single A. So Zach Britton, like I mentioned about a week or two ago, that he's going to start getting more and more news on him in the coming weeks. Well, here we go. He's on his rehab assignment. He will definitely be back some point in September. Do not expect the Yankees to rely on him too much because, of course, he's been out for well over a year now. Had Tommy John surgery, had a litany of injury problems, has had 
a litany of injury problems over the years, and this is just more to add on to the pile, but he is coming back a big arm to get back. But I definitely would not start him off right away putting him into high-leverage situations, that's for sure. (laughs) But he's on his way back on the road to being back in a Major League Baseball game officially, having begun his rehab assignment in single A. And we'll probably hear of his progression as the weeks go along. Thursday, this was the day that all of you know that I was waiting on forever. (laughs) I missed my boy so much, (laughs) especially watching of late. This lineup struggled the way they have. Giancarlo Stanton finally returned to the Yankees to continue on what was a really promising season up to the point where he had his Achilles problem, and that's why it's so upsetting. I guess my prediction on him preseason is incorrect. My my preseason prediction on Judge is correct and has already been far surpassed. I predicted him to play 150-plus games or 145-plus games. That obviously has not been surpassed yet, but my home run prediction was I predicted at least 45, and he's one off 50 at this point heading into tonight's game on Saturday night. So... So some things, again, win some, lose some, as they say in my cousin Vinny, right? So, because I mean, coming back, Stanton's been gone for weeks and weeks and weeks. And you looked at his stats upon returning. He was in the mid-20s in home runs already. He was in the mid-60s in RBIs. His batting average wasn't too great, but who cares? Look at the rest of the offensive stats. I mean, come on. You can't argue how much he means to this lineup. And you also can't argue how much I freaking missed him. So I was so glad that he finally came back. So he returned on Thursday. Florial going back down was definitely part of the pieces to the puzzle to giving him some roster move to come back. But that wasn't all on Thursday. Thursday was kind of a chaotic day because it started out with great news and then got... Later on. (laughs) So it started with Stanton coming back and also word that Greg Weissart or Weissart. I've heard a lot of different pronunciations of his name. I don't think anybody really knows how to pronounce it as of yet, but they signed him to a major league contract from the minors. You may have heard his name already. Fellow Long Island native as well. Got to say that pretty cool stuff. He was the closer down in triple A that scouts have raved about for quite some time now, (laughs) talking about how disgusting his fastball is, how disgusting his slider is, just his off-speed stuff in general, just a great pitcher. And they figured that they would sign him to a major league deal, add him to the 40 men, and call him up. So two great pieces of news after hearing about Weissert for a long time. You're getting to see him in a Yankee uniform and Stanton coming back. Hell of a start to the day, right? Uh, Well, the rest of the day, unfortunately, (laughs) didn't go as well. Because the Yankees announced a couple of more roster moves to add on to that. And one of them was that Harrison Bader. Now, this announcement isn't nearly as bad as the second announcement, and I'll explain why in a second. But Harrison Bader was officially moved to the 60-day IL to clear a 40-man roster spot for Weissert. So... The good news is, which is what makes this announcement not so bad, for lack of a better term, is that this does not affect his timeline for his return because of how long he's already been gone. So transferring him to the 60-day IL and the fact that he 
already wasn't expected to be back until at least early mid-September, it doesn't affect his timeline at all. So it was really just to clear a 40-man roster spot. They'll get him back onto the 40-man when he is officially ready. So while that's unfortunate news, you never like to hear a guy being transferred to the 60-day, but the thing that makes it all all right is that it does not affect his timeline. The second announcement, like I said, was the one that had everybody in just complete chaos, and it got people thinking too. The second announcement, which is what also made the Weissart call-up make sense, was that Nestor Cortez, the Yankees' best statistical starting pitcher this year, and for the last year and a half or two, might I add, too, if you had to say, headed to the injured list with a groin strain. Now, there's rumors on whether it's a grade one or a grade two. If it were a grade two, then that'd obviously be worse than a grade one. A grade one is much easier and quicker to get over. But they weren't being very specific, and we know how the Yankees are when it comes to injuries and how little information they give away and how often the information that they do give away doesn't even end up really being 100% true. (laughs) They are really suspect when it comes to injuries and injury information. We know this. We have seen this for some time now when it comes to the Yankees. So what had people scratching their head a lot of the time, especially because of how Nestor looked after he pitched on Sunday when we spoke last in the game against the Blue Jays, and the fact that he went into the post-game interviews saying that he felt great, and the fact that a lot of people people assuming people in the organization, were going on and on about his workload and the fact that they might need to do some more load managing with his arm and just to make sure that he doesn't get injured because he has far surpassed his innings amount for his career that he has ever thrown before. He's over 130 innings, I'm pretty sure. So that got a lot of people thinking, considering he said he was feeling fan- he was feeling great. I mean, he really didn't... He didn't over-exaggerate anything, I would say, but he just, they asked him how he felt, given the innings that he's thrown, and he said, yeah, I still feel great, I feel fantastic. That's more or less what he said. And then a few days later, this came out, and this week he's been seen doing some running drills in the outfield, and so it got people thinking, is this a phantom IL stint? A phantom IL stint meaning... Sometimes teams have been known to possibly put a player on the injured list because maybe they've been struggling a lot, which is why some people were thinking that Clay Holmes could have been a phantom IL stint. I mean, who the hell knows? They won't openly admit it, obviously, but people were thinking about that with him because of his ungodly struggles, and now people are pretty much thinking along a similar path when it comes to Nestor. Could this be a phantom IL stint in order to just get him some rest so that he doesn't go to an even more ridiculous amount of innings pitched this year compared to what he's pitched in the past, which is nowhere close to what he's pitched this year, of course, yet he still looks fine. And maybe also just to make sure that he is as healthy and ready as possible for October, the time that truly matters, which really seems like where the Yankees' mentality is right now, even though they obviously still have a season to finish off, of course. But could this just be a phantom stint just to get him some rest? And to maybe not have him surpass 150-ish innings? I mean, 
that's basically why they put Seve on the 60-day IL, you have to imagine, right? Because Seve wasn't too happy about that. Seve, I think, already expected to be back around this time already. I think he already expected to be back. But he's on the 60-day IL and is now not eligible to even return until mid-September-ish. So until mid-September, you're going to have to wait for Seve. He'll get some starts under his belt and see where he's at by the time the playoffs come around in the first or second week of October. And I think that his injury was legit, Severino. I just think that they extended him even more because they're thinking of October and wanting him as ready as possible and not rushing him back. And that's why I'm bringing that up in the same light as Nestor. Just get him some rest. Make him rest as much as possible. Don't rush it. So just put him on the Phantom, maybe. Use a Phantom IL stint. It's a thought that's crossed people's minds. I'm not saying that's definitely what happened, and I'm not saying the Yankees would or even should ever admit that. <laughs> but got a lot of people thinking. And I even was thinking that myself because when his post-game interview was brought again to my attention after Sunday, it just got me thinking with him saying how great he was feeling and Nothing was even slightly brought up by anybody, anyone. This just came out of the blue after the Weissart call-up, out of nowhere. So it's really weird, really weird stuff, the way that it happened. But so is everything injury-wise that the Yankees have, of course. Now, with him being called up, people were speculating who, who it could be. Could it be uh, any Anybody. They're just throwing names out there. Could Chapman be headed to the injured list because he hasn't pitched in a while? Uh, Marinaccio hasn't pitched in a while. People were starting to speculate, but then out of nowhere, Nestor Cortez to the injured list. Really weird. So, good news to start out the day. Bad news to end the day. (laughs) Obviously, the baseball game on Thursday night went exceptionally well. (laughs) But as far as the roster news, not great stuff. And then just about an hour before I started this recording, (laughs) this one is just, I I don't even know what to say. It was announced that Chapman is now headed to the injured list, and this made it make sense now as to why, as I just said a second ago, we haven't seen him pitch in some time. There have been some bullpen arms out there that we haven't, strangely, haven't seen pitch very much, and Chapman's one of them. Well, this announcement made it make more sense. It was announced that he is headed to the injured list because, ready for this one? He has an infection from a tattoo that he recently got. Amazing. It's it's just, you can't make it up. The luck that this team has with injuries, or the lack thereof, I guess I should say. But... Obviously, I'm not rooting for anybody to get an infection, so that's not what I mean by amazing. Just amazing the the luck. An infection from a tattoo. <sighs> that's really all there is to say to that. Just a big, long... Because <sighs> what else is there? So we may see another corresponding roster move that has not been announced yet. Nothing else has been announced because, literally, again, this announcement just dropped like within the last half hour to an hour before I kicked off this recording. So, yeah, because he hasn't pitched since the 19th. It's been like a week and a half. And I was starting to think that. I was like, where's Chapman been? Even where's Ron Marinaccio been, really? It's really weird. Yeah, so he's headed to the I.L. 
who knows when we'll see Chapman again. I mean, they seem to be pretty confident that he'll be back well before the season ends because there is still over a month left, just a little bit over a month. And if the infection clears up pretty quickly, then you just have him rehab briefly or just have him do some drills, throw some bullpens. He, he should be back. But if not pitching for a while, I don't know how much I would trust him coming back. <laughs> so, we'll see. I mean, if a corresponding roster move is to happen before I wrap up this recording, then I will give it. But if nothing does come out, then you'll probably just see on your own time. And I imagine something will be announced long before this episode is even released. So by the time you're listening to this, there probably will have been another corresponding roster move already announced. So... Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Hard never mind on that one. It was actually a tweet that was just put out by my boy, Max Goodman. Go follow Max on Twitter, by the way. I'm going to give him a shout-out. I think I shouted him out about a year ago or so for his spring training coverage. It was freaking elite. But he actually just put out a tweet on Twitter, and this is actually true. He said, with Clay Holmes set to come off the IL in the next few days, the Yankees actually won't be calling anyone up. They'll just be going with a short bullpen. Hmm. So they're just going to have an open roster spot. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess they are on the West Coast, so I mean, and they only have a couple more days there, and then they're going to L.A. (sighs) So they're just going to finish out the West Coast trip, I guess, with, or at least the next few days of it, I should say, with an open roster spot. Hmm. Really weird. All right, then. Then that seems to be the plan. Also, one more injury thing. You probably saw it on Friday, yesterday for me, but multiple days ago for you at the time you're listening. But Trevino was also hit on the foot by a pitch from Koenig last night, the A's reliever. So he's day-to-day, though, because Aaron Boone even announced on Friday night that they gave him x-rays and they came back negative. So Trevino, despite how badly he was hobbling after it and even a bit after it, half an inning to an inning later... Despite how bad it looked, he does not appear to be hitting the injured list, and although he has the night, the night off tonight here on Saturday, Higashioka's catching, he's just day-to-day. He will not miss extended time, thank God, because the Yankees have to catch a break somewhere, right? When it comes to injuries? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's just ridiculous. So that's basically all the injury, roster, chaotic news that happened just within the last couple of days. Because before that, it was mainly just, (laughs) I mean, before all that, it was mainly just what happened with Efros on Sunday and calling Clark up and in the middle of the week, just sending Floreal back down, Britton starting his assignment. And then just in the last couple of days, Stanton coming back, Weissart called up, Bader to the 60-day IL, Nestor on the IL, Chapman gone on the IL today, Trevino getting hit in the foot yesterday with a pitch on Friday. It's just all over the place. (laughs) Just in the last two days. (sighs) Ugh. Good God Almighty. What do you say we move on to recap, huh? (laughs) Recap this past week's action. Obviously, again, since I'm recording on Saturday night, it'll be a bit of a shorter recap this week because like I already said, when Future Mike already popped in as well on last Sunday night's episode, we know they already won the final game of the Blue Jays set. So honestly, all there is to recap right now is the two games against the Mets. Wednesday was an off day. And Thursday and Friday's game against the A's, because that's all that's happened so far at the time I'm taping right now. So what do you say we get to it? Let's not waste any time. And then after that, we got a social media segment, got a Q&A this week, so stay tuned for that, all right? Hope I got some good questions from you guys. Yapping Yankees Time Machine, let's do it! 
All right, so like I said before, the Yankees did manage to win that final game against the Blue Jays by a score of 4-2. to two. It was only one to nothing when we spoke last, when, Sunday, when Sunday's episode finished up. And top of the third, right after I finished taping, it was like right after, like literally minutes after I hit the stop button, after I was done taping, Whit Merrifield tied the game at 1, and then DJ got a go-ahead RBI single in the bottom of the third right away to retake the lead at 2. Top of the seventh was a bit of a mess. <laughs> With Jonathan Lewisica starting the inning and then Wandy Peralta coming in after him. But on a bases loaded walk to Jackie Bradley Jr. of all people. <laughs> that tied the game at two at the time. And then in the bottom of the seventh, Andrew Benintendi. I mean, come on, my boy, Benny Bronx, baby. He has been so good. Go ahead, two run shot in the bottom of the seventh. Made it four to two. His first home run is a Yankee deep into the right field seats in the second deck. And that gave the Yankees a 4-2 victory after the bullpen shut it down after that. Next two days, Monday and Tuesday, like I said, was Yankees and Mets. I especially was not confident in this series when hearing that Scherzer would be Game 1. And then after Scherzer in Game 1 would be DeGrom in Game 2. But then fortunately, before the series even got underway, Buck Showalter announced that they were going to give Jacob DeGrom an extra day of rest to prepare him for their current series against the Rockies at Citi Field since both teams had off on Wednesday after the two games set in the Bronx. So he was going to not throw Jacob DeGrom in Game 2 and instead had Taiwan Walker pitch, which was a massive relief for anybody opposing Jacob DeGrom (laughs) or getting ready to oppose Jacob DeGrom because I think it's safe to say that nobody wants to face that man. So that was good news. So Monday came around, but the Yankees still had Scherzer to deal with, which is definitely a formidable opponent, a worthy adversary, to say the least. They did get things started on him pretty early, though, because in the bottom of the first, DJ hit a sacrifice fly to Starling Marte and Wright, and Andrew Benintendi, only because of how freaking fast he is, this guy's a lightning bolt, managed to score on the sack fly because Starling Marte threw a Start home. The guy's got a hell of an arm out there. And I won't have to say it again, but I will anyway. You know, I wanted Starling on this team as much as two years ago. But I'll stay quiet about that. (laughs) His arm, just one of his many great attributes. But anyway, threw a nice throw home. But Benny Bronx is a freaking lightning bolt. So we scored anyway. Bottom of the third, Aaron Judge stepped up to the plate. And I think we all remember in City Field, and because obviously Mets fans would not let any Yankee fan live it down, that Max Scherzer, to say the least, owned Aaron Judge in the City Field series. Owned him. Was his daddy in every way. Well, I think he shut people up because he took a ball to right field for a solo shot for his 47th home run. And it was a nice shot indeed towards the judges' chambers. And that gave the Yankees a 2 to nothing lead. So pretty encouraging start against Scherzer. DJ putting in the work, Judge putting in the work, and Judge had slowed down a bit, like I had said. He had gone nine games without hitting a home run, so people, especially because of the pacing he's on, to try to reach Roger Maris's single-season home run record of 61 and maybe even surpass it. People were getting a little bit nervous. It's been nine games since Judge hit a home run. Holy crap, everybody. Well, he undid it against Scherzer, of all people, who had his number in City Field. Doesn't matter. He got him here. And even I was saying, because he struck Judge out again in the first at-bat of the game, I was saying, oh my God, here we go again. I plead guilty. I was saying that. 
I plead guilty, judge. Slam the gavel down and send me to prison. But in the second at-bat, he proved everybody wrong. Took him deep. Two to nothing. Bottom of the fifth, Andrew Benintendi continued his great gameplay of late. You should be ashamed of yourself, like I said. After that first week of him being here, he got off to that slow start before he started to find his swing in that Seattle series. I told you, you ought to be ashamed of yourself if you were giving up on this guy after only about a week, maybe even less, of him being here and him having a bit of a rough start. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You don't give up on anybody after about a week of being on a new team with all the adjusting that has to happen and everything. Especially not a factually good proven baseball player like Andrew Benintendi. Be better, people. Well, he continued it here in the bottom of the fifth. RBI double. Driving home IKF made it three to nothing. And then top of the seventh, off of Domingo Herman, the only blemish he really gave up on the whole night. A two-run shot to Daniel Vogelback, and that made it three to two. So it was getting a bit close there. But then in the bottom of the seventh, for just a bit of insurance, Andrew Benintendi again. Benny freaking Bronx, man. RBI single made it 4-2, to two, and that would be the final. Like I had said, Herman was starting the game. He had himself a terrific start through another really solid start. I gotta say, even if you're not a fan of the guy personally, and I certainly am not a fan of the guy personally, <laughs> I have made that very clear for a long time now. I think it's very hard to be a fan of his personally, but... He has done pretty well in most of his starts. I mean, that's just the truth. You could dislike him as much as you want, and I don't even like the guy. I don't. But stats are stats, and facts are facts. And the fact is, is that in the vast majority of his starts since coming back, he's actually been pretty good again. In this start, he officially ended up going 6-3, only being taken out after that Vogel back two-run shot. Only four hits, including that home run. Two runs, only one earned, because in that seventh inning, for the Yankees, Oswaldo Cabrera made a little bit of a mistake at second base. His first blunder defensively, because let me tell you something. Let me put this discussion on a better path right away, because I don't want the first mention of Oswaldo Cabrera on this episode to be negative, because this kid, it's his world lately, and we're just living in it. That's how awesome he has been to watch. And even the hitting has come around. He's been putting up so many great major league at-bats, and the results are even starting to pour in offensively lately. But especially the defense to start things off has been terrific, so a blunder had to happen eventually, especially with a kid who has only made his debut within the last couple of weeks and has done nothing but great things in what feels like every single day. Just seems to show you another great showcase of skill with each passing day. He's been awesome to watch play. Well, this was his first inevitable blunder. He and Marwin just had some rough communication out there in right field. Me personally, I think the outfielder always has to take charge. But Oswaldo Cabrera got a little bit ahead of himself and it ended up being an error. And then after that error, right after that, literally the next batter, Vogelback hit his two-run shot. So it came back to bite. So that's why only one of those two runs on the Vogelback two-run shot was earned. For Herman, he didn't walk anybody and struck out three. So, even though he gave up his obligatory home run because Herman just has as much trouble as he does keeping the ball in the park, he had himself a nice start. And then Marinaccio came in for an inning and a third, shut out. <laughs> he's just, he's so good. He is so good. And then Johnny Lewisica, 
who I already mentioned last week was starting to look better while he's continued on that trend. My guy's ERA is under two since he's been back from the injured list, people. What did I say before he got back? A major X factor, a major expectation of mine for guys coming back from injuries. Who was the one I mentioned and who was the one that I thought and really predicted he would find his old self again? It was Johnny Lowe. And I'm glad I said that because he has been so much better. And it's a huge relief because the role he played in the bullpen last year, for him to be this good again is, it cannot be overstated how important it is for this Yankee team, especially on a day like today where yet again, another reliever has gone down and the Yankees seem to be going in with a shorter bullpen going forward until Clay Holmes gets back and Chapman being gone now. So... Loisega being back to his old self or as close to his old self as possible since returning from the injured list is so freaking important. So he closed it out. That was his first save of the year. The Yankees have had like 12,000 relievers this year get a save. It's crazy. (laughs) It's really funny. So they managed to win the first game 4-2 and funny enough, the second game would be won by the Yankees. With the same exact score. (laughs) That's funny, isn't it? Starting out this game for the Yankees was Frankie Montas. And Montas looked the best he has looked as a Yankee so far. The first couple of innings were pretty shaky. They were. I'll, I'll start off with that. In the top of the first, he got into quite a bit of trouble with walking Lindor. And giving up a hit to Marte. So, plenty of traffic on the bases. But the Mets did not come through. In the second inning, he looked to be all over the place, gave up a leadoff single to McNeil, hit Marcana with a pitch, but then he got Beatty to ground into a force out and Nito into a double play. And then after that, he really seemed to settle down and actually remember, hmm, I can actually throw 98 miles an hour and maybe strike some people out with that. Isn't that fascinating how that works? Well, he decided to do that and he started striking people out left and right and the rest of the start... He looked like his old self prior to when he came to the Yankees. Finally, I've been waiting for this. So his final line, you know, most of this, most of these numbers come from the first two innings because he was kind of all over the place, but make no mistake, it was impressive. Definitely his best start as a Yankee, but five and two thirds, six hits. Like I said, a great deal of these things coming in the earlier part of the start. Two runs given up. Only one walk and struck out six in less than six innings. So, averaged more than a strikeout per inning because, again, he just found that fastball, started to incorporate his whole arsenal more, which when he does that, that's really when he starts to show his success more. So, he's got to do that more. Mix everything in together. Start using the fastball more. We see this in all the pitchers, all of them, especially with Garrett Cole. When he would get too cute with his breaking balls and trying to nibble and touch the corners, try to throw dots, which don't get me wrong, when it works, it's satisfying as hell. But just throw the fastball, dude. When you could throw 98 miles an hour, when you have the luxury of being able to blow a fastball past anybody, when you have good movements on all of your pitches and can incorporate it all together to have hitters on their toes at all times, you're going to be a lot more successful rather than trying to get cute and nibble and touch the corners and barely throw the fastball and walk the ballpark. 
Throw the fastball. Throw strikes. Mix everything together. That's the key. Easier said than done, of course. But he finally looked good, which was a big relief. And he was also saved a bit because in the top of the fifth, when he gave up his first run on a Starling Marte RBI single, I mean, it was it was second and third with only one out. And things started to get a little hairy for him again. But then he did get Brandon Nimmo to line out to DJ, so that was a big out. And then Starling Marte got a single to right field, and here comes one of the many great things defensively that, has, that Oswaldo Cabrera has done. But... It was a pretty hard-hit single to right. Obviously, at third base was Mark Canna, so he scored easily. But Brett Beatty was on his way home. And Cabrera with an absolute cannon to home on one hop. And he gunned down Beatty at home. So that kept the game at 2-1 to one instead of tied at 2. So he did get bailed out there a little bit, but make no mistake, this was the best that Frankie Montas has looked. And after him, Clark Schmidt, I mean, he ran out of gas at the very end before getting the very last out of the game, but fortunately, Wandy Peralta came in just to get that last out, giving everybody a heart attack because of the situation. Bases loaded in two outs because in that top of the ninth, Clark Schmidt walked Tyler Naquin when the Mets were down to their last strike with nobody on base, down to their last strike, and walked Tyler Naquin, of all people who was in a complete hitter's drought before that because he's not a good hitter. He gave up an infield single to Brandon Nimmo and walked Starling Marte. So two walks in the inning, loaded the bases, but he clearly just ran out of gas. His pitch count was really high. And towards the end of the start, let me see if I could see where his pitch count was. He was at 60 pitches. Yeah, he threw 60 pitches. So... And he had thrown three shutout innings of just stellar baseball. Just another example of of why Clark belongs in the major leagues and why it was so great to have him back finally, which all of us have been begging for forever. He was the one that would ultimately get the win, but he did run out of gas at the end. Wandy Peralta came in to save the day. As far as the runs that the Yankees scored in the bottom of the fourth was when they got started right away. Prior to that, they were having a really tough time off Taiwan Walker. They were not putting together good at-bats at all. It was really a struggle. You could tell. Just quick at-bats, not working the count. It was just rough. But in the bottom of the fourth, they finally broke through. Aaron Judge with his 48th home run off the year. And number 48 was a freaking atom bomb off of Taiwan Walker. Over 450 feet well up into the left field bleachers, not the right field bleachers, the left field bleachers just had everyone's jaw drop like it always does because of the remarkable season and the remarkable talent that Aaron Judge is and the remarkable season he's having. Just absolutely incredible what he could, there's no more words, there's no more words. Like I said, there just aren't any more words for it. There are none. And then a while after that, with the bases loaded, Oswaldo Cabrera found himself up at the plate. And boy, did he put together a big league at bat. Seven pitch at bat. A lot of the pitches really close, being very smart with it. And he ended up working a walk. So got another RBI, made it two to nothing Yankees. In the top of the sixth, this was something that aggravated a lot of Yankee fans because this was when the Mets managed to tie the game off of Montas, but it shouldn't have been a tie game 
because Jeff McNeil hit a double to drive in Pete Alonso, and Pete stumbled around third, stopped running basically, and then continued his way home, and by the time that was all happening, the ball had already been relayed back into the infield to Glaber Torres, but Glaber was more focused on trying to get McNeil out for overrunning second base. He was more concerned about that than looking at what was going on between third and home, where Pete Alonso had staggered, tripped, stopped, and then decided to book it for home. And if Glaber would have just thrown the ball home instead of focusing on second base, Pete Alonso would have been a dead duck at the plate. No question. So that run shouldn't have scored another boneheaded mistake for Glaber Torres. And this is why Glaber's so baffling. Like, he made a beautiful play in last night's game against the A's on Friday night. A beautiful diving play in the right field hole. So he has the talent to do that, but then... At other times, and we've spoken about this so often, but again, here's another case of it. He just doesn't seem to play with a great amount of baseball IQ a great amount of the time. It's like he's just not paying attention. He's daydreaming sometimes. I mean, how could you not see what was going on between third and home with Pete Alonso? How could you not see that? But then, of course, he has the skill to make some of the crazy defensive plays that he's made. And he's actually had a good... Defensive season at second base, as we know. Really good. But he still makes those boneheaded mistakes that just make you ask, is Glaber even paying attention right now? I mean, those instances still happen. It's really baffling. So it happened again here and tied tied the game when it really shouldn't have been tied. Fortunately, the Yankees had more offense to give in the bottom of the seventh. Again, (laughs) Andrew Benintendi. RBI single, a beautiful at-bat against the lefty Joely Rodriguez. Just grooving a pitch the other way. And in the left field hole, driving home Oswaldo Cabrera, who was on base yet again. And that made it 3-2. to two. Benintendi coming through yet again. And then after that, Aaron Judge. RBI single laced up the middle. Driving home Trevino. Made it 4-2. to two. And like I said before, the Yankees would win by that score as they did on Monday night. They would return the favor to the Mets. They would sweep them at Yankee Stadium as the Mets did to the Yankees in City Field. So, another Subway Series split in the regular season for the Mets and the Yankees in 2022. Two wins for the Mets in City Field, two wins for the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. So, no wins on the road for either one. Wednesday, they were off. Thursday began the four game set. In Oakland and Thursday, what a nice start, a way to kick off the day. Stanton being back and then. How this game went, it was just freaking awesome. Starting the first game was Jameson Tyone. He went six innings, only allowing one run, striking out two only, and giving up six hits. So he he did give up his hits, but especially because of how much offense was given. I mean, come on. (laughs) So, weren't even really worried about that if you were watching the game. But, yes, six innings, just one run ball. Tyone would get the win, his 12th on the year. And... The main story here was the offense because they scored 13 freaking runs. Starting right away in the top of the second, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa with a two-run single with the bases loaded made it 2 to nothing. John Carlos Stanton in his second at-bat back. And my boy shot a two-run single into the left field hole, made it 4 to nothing. Top of the third, Josh Donaldson, RBI double, made it 5 to nothing. And after that RBI double, Andrew Benintendi would later hit a sacrifice fly in that very same inning, making it 6 to nothing. 
Stanton would walk with the bases loaded, made it 7-0 and gave my boy three RBIs on his first night back in Major League Baseball. And then, in the same inning, Anthony Rizzo right after that hit an infield RBI single to make it 8 to nothing. So they were just piling on at this point. It's still the third inning at that point, might I add. Top of the fourth, Jose Trevino, RBI double, made it 9 to nothing. Aaron Judge after that hit a ground ball. That drove home Trevino, made it 10 to nothing. Bottom of the sixth, this was the one run that Jameson Tyone gave up. Shea Langliers, I'm not even going to lie, I forgot how they pronounced that last night, but <laughs> he hit a solo shot, made it 10 to 1. But the Yankees would answer right back with even more runs right away in the top of the seventh. Josh Donaldson with another double, this time a two run double instead of just an RBI double, driving home Rizzo and Glaber, making it 12 to 1. And then as Waldo Cabrera, why not join the hitting parade, young man? He's been doing a lot of that lately, the last few days anyway. RBI double made it 13-1. to Now, the only blemish on this game was probably what happened in the bottom of the seventh. And I tell you, this is when Greg Weissart came in for his Major League debut. And I got to tell you, I don't think I have ever seen a more nervous young pitcher making his debut in my entire 15 years as a baseball fan. Not even just as a Yankee fan, just as a baseball fan in general. I don't think I've ever seen a more nervous debuting pitcher than this poor guy. (laughs) I really don't. I mean, he was really nervous. It It was a mess. I mean, it was just about as bad of a debut as you could have, unfortunately. And it was really cool to see because in the dugout, guys like Judge and everybody else, they gave him pats on pats on the back and on the leg. And I know that Herman was one of the people to give him sort of a pat on the back as sort of reinsurance. The cameras were on him in the dugout, and Aaron Judge blocked the cameras so that you know they wouldn't be on him constantly. So, and he was trying to tell him jokes, trying to make him laugh. You could tell they were trying to just have some fun. So it was it's nice to see the the team camaraderie there. But it was a rough debut for him. I mean, right away, two hit-by-pitches to Bride and Bolt right away. And he managed to get Nick Allen to fly out, but then he walked Tony Kemp. He walked Machine. So it was a rough debut. Litke came in after him, and the, the jam was so massive that, you know, I mean, some runs were given up. It was a tough spot. He did get Sean Murphy to induce a pop-out. So there were two outs. So he could have gotten out of it unscathed, but he he couldn't because he hit Seth Brown with the pitch, made it 13-3. to That run is, of course, charged to Weissert, as was the bases loaded walk to machine, too, I should mention. So it was twelve. It was 13-3 to at that point. And then Langleers got another hit after that, made it 13-4, to charged to Weissert as well. But then that was all the scoring the A's did. So basically the only blemish on the game with how great it was was Weissert's debut. It was really rough to watch, not... Not a pleasant debut to see. I felt real bad for him. So, I hope his next timeout goes better. Because that was a rough one. That was really rough. I felt bad. I've never seen a pitcher more nervous in my entire life, I swear. I really haven't. He just, he was really on edge. And the most recent game since the game is yet to start for about another half hour. Here at the time I'm taping. Here on Saturday night. Was yesterday, Friday night when the Yankees were able to notch a 3-2 victory against the A's. Garrett Cole started the game with the Yankees and just threw a master class of a game. Seven and a third gave them some really much-needed length. It really seemed like the bullpen was on the short side, so they pushed him a bit. 
even if they should have been mostly rested, but that's neither here nor there. Went well over 100 pitches for what seems like the millionth time this year. Cole's thrown a lot of pitches this year. Only gave up three hits all night, one of them on a solo shot to Bride, of all people. <laughs> I believe that was only his first home run. Yeah, it was. Jonah Bride, first home run. So really unusual person to give up a home run to, but he did anyway. Only walked two guys and struck out 11. And finally, Cole would not get screwed out of a win on this night like he has so many other nights. <laughs> so his 10th victory on the year. Jonathan Loisega got two outs in the eighth inning, and he looked stellar again. So, again, just great to see Loisega continuing his trend back in the right direction since he returned from the injured list. And then Wandy Peralta in the ninth gave us all a nice heart attack. <laughs> he did give up an RBI single to Dermis Garcia, made it 3-2 to two at the time, but then he managed to squeeze his way out of trouble and solidify the 3-2 to two victory. And it's really easy how the Yankees got all three of their runs because... Quite simply enough, they got all three on Aaron Judge's three-run shot in the top of the fifth, which was also his 49th home run of the year. <laughs> that was all three Yankee runs, so the Yankees won 3-2. to two. Obviously, we have tonight's game on Saturday and tomorrow afternoon's game on Sunday, both of which, again, you already know the result to. By the time you're listening to this, since this will be out tomorrow night on Sunday night, the 28th. As far as what is ahead, after that, for this coming week, the Yankees will stay out west for a little bit longer. Until Thursday, that is, because Monday the 29th, Tuesday the 30th, and Wednesday the 31st to wrap up August, thank God, because overall this month has been a nightmare for the Yankees, they'll wrap up this West Coast trip in Anaheim against the Angels. Monday night's game will be at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, so some more really late night games. I don't have too much of a problem with it. I can stay up for them, I guess, unless they end at like 3 o'clock in the morning in extra innings because then I have a rough time, even though I did that with the Mariners game. That went into extras, actually, now that I think about it. But anyway, that one will be at 9.38. Same thing for Tuesday night, the 30th, and Wednesday night, the 31st, all 9.38 p.m. Eastern. In Anaheim against the Angels, they should be able to take care of the Angels quite well. The operative word being should. <laughs> Thursday night, the Yankees are off on the first. And then Friday, they wrap up this extended road trip with a three-game weekend set in Tampa Bay at the Trop. Friday night's game will be at 7.10 p.m. Eastern. Saturday, the third, will be at 6.10 and Sunday the 4th, when we speak again, the day before Labor Day, will be at 1.40 p.m. Eastern. I might just record after that game ends or maybe towards the very end of it, depending how long it goes, because I do have to start recording eventually, so I don't have this episode out to you too late again, or next episode rather, but I'll probably start recording towards the end of that game. That game is at 1.40 again, next Sunday, September 4th. And then after that, they finally come back home for a series against the Minnesota Twins, a four-game series, starting on Labor Day the 5th, but we're getting too ahead of ourselves at this point. So that's what's ahead, and that's what's happened as of this past week. Of course, if you want to just see my reactions to how the game goes tonight here on Saturday and tomorrow, because you won't be getting this episode until both of them are concluded, then uh, of course just look at my social media, which you will already have by then, because I'm always tweeting. So, 
We're fully caught up to the point where I'm recording right now here on Saturday night, so there's only one thing left to do today, my friends, and that is discuss our social media segment. And I decided it's been a little while, so I gave you guys the floor again this week. Ask me your questions. A Q&A. So it's your turn to ask me things. So I'm going to read maybe about 10 of them. I don't know, because I don't want this to go ridiculously long again, because... We're just about over an hour already, I just noticed. So, <laughs> All right, let's start things off. A Q&A. Let's begin with... At RealMikeyD50. Asking, do you think Hicks is off of the playoff roster? And which four pitchers stay in the playoff rotation? Do I think Hicks is off the playoff roster? I think he... I think he's as good as off the roster right now. <laughs> Obviously, he's still on the roster. But, I mean, as of the last few days, he has barely played. And, I mean, I got to say I'm thrilled about it. I've You guys know I've been over Hicks for a long time now. So, yeah, I think it's safe to say that he will be off the playoff roster, especially because by then Bader will probably be back, you know, barring any setbacks or anything like that. But, yeah, I don't think he really has a place on this team. I think he already doesn't with Oswaldo Cabrera being up here. And whatnot, I don't, and Stanton being back if he wants to play the outfield at some point again. I just, and Benintendi being here. So yeah, I just don't think Hicks has much of a place left here anymore. Especially even more so again when Bader comes back. But especially on the playoff roster, yeah, no, get the hell out of here. No, I'll, I'll be shocked if he's there on the roster. Which four pitchers stay in the playoff rotation? Well, I would think to start off, I mean, you said starting pitching, right? Since the playoffs usually have four-man rotations, I assume that's what you meant. I mean, the top two automatically have to be Garrett Cole and Frankie Montes, right? I mean, that's at least what the Yankees envisioned when they got Montes, so definitely those two. Nestor, of course, when he's back, will obviously be in there as well. I assume Sevy will also be there, of course, depending on how he does when he returns, if he gets enough starts under his belt, and if he's showing encouraging enough signs to be in the rotation— I mean, if anything, they could have him start the game, have him throw a few innings, and then have somebody in the bullpen sort of piggyback him, like a Clark Schmidt or a Marinaccio, or, I don't know, just figure that out. We'll have to see the progress he makes. I don't know if the Yankees are going to have Herman be in the playoff rotation. That ought to be curious. I think if Schmidt's going to be on the team, I think they'll have Clark Schmidt be an... an wow, can I speak, please? <laughs> a multi-inning reliever. There you go, Mike. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess... It really depends what happens with Severino, man, because if he's no good, then I guess it'll have to be Garrett, Montes, Nestor, and then it's Tyone or Herman at that point. And if Herman keeps pitching the way he has of late, I mean, it, it might end up going to Herman. Who knows? I mean, I don't really see many other options unless you want to give Clark Schmidt a start. I mean, do you trust that? Clark Schmidt's amazing, but enough to start a playoff game? I mean... I don't know. A lot of it depends on Severino. If everything goes on a good track with Severino, the one, two, three, I imagine, will be Cole, Montes, Sevi. And then you got Nestor, too. But if not, then I imagine it'll be Cole, Montes, Nestor, and probably Herman, to be honest, where we stand right now. And these aren't in any particular order, by the way. I'm just naming the four that I think will be there. So at that point, if Sevi does not end up being a starter, has a setback or whatever, just doesn't work out with him, then, yeah, it'll be Cole, Montes, Nestor, and then, I guess, a flip up between Tyone and Herman, whoever happens to be doing better by that time. 
So, yeah, I, I guess that's my best answer for that pretty much. A lot of it depends on what happens with Severino. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, What do you think of Oswaldo Cabrera? Is he the real deal or will the league catch up to him? Do you think he sticks on the roster for the rest of the season? Well, he damn well better with the way he's playing. <laughs> if they send him down now, I'm going to start a riot and you guys are more than welcome to join me. <laughs> I think he's great. I love the Major League escap bats he puts up. He really works the count and does the best he can at the plate, especially for someone who just came up. And now you're starting to see some of the results come about at the plate. He's gotten a lot more hits of late. I love his defense. I love his defensive versatility and how great he is in each and every one of those positions, which is why I also think that someone like Marwin Gonzalez also does not have a place here anymore when you have a younger, more talented overall player in Oswaldo Cabrera. Granted, he's still brand new and Marwin Gonzalez is a veteran presence. And Cabrera said that Marwin actually helped him out a great deal on things like learning the outfield more. Because, you know, one of the first times that Cabrera ever played the outfield, he robbed a freaking home run a week or two ago. (laughs) So, I mean, listen, he's an incredible player. And I love his personality, too. He's just a great guy to have around. Especially a great guy to have called up at the time that they did because this team needed a spark. Someone of his talent, someone of his personality to really jolt the team back, in a sense. So, I love him. I'm a big fan of his. The league inevitably catches up to every young player, ultimately. It just happens, unless they're god-tier, like Aaron Judge, for instance, or something like that. But it catches up to everybody at least a little bit, eventually. I mean, people make their adjustments. So, maybe a little bit. I imagine it won't. he won't literally play out of his mind like this, especially at the plate, forever. Although I do believe he could still certainly be a really solid hitter. I mean, not not denying that. But I think he is the real deal. I got to see a lot more of him, of course. He's not up for long still, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But I'm a big fan of his so far. I, I, I really, I really, really like him. And I think he should be here to stay at least for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Next, we've got at Hoodie Frazier. And they say, hey, Mike. Hello there. Do you think... <laughs> Do you think Boone will keep shifting the lineup around so much come nearer to the postseason? Benny at leadoff and DJ 2 or 4 is a perfect formula in my opinion. Yes, Benintendi at leadoff needs to stay. And I saw for tonight's lineup that he's back in the leadoff spot, and I'm very happy about that. So that's really good. So, I mean, as far as shifting the lineup, yeah, I mean, that that's that's what the Yankees do. <laughs> So I do think that the shifting of the lineups and the rotating of the days off, yeah, I think that's going to continue towards very near the end, if not the actual end. After that, they've got to have more of a consistent lineup, especially for the playoffs, for example, because, you know, there's no team in the league that shifts around the lineup like the Yankees do. And it is because of the logjam, pretty much, that we spoke about even when the season started. You know, there is a bit of a logjam. And yes, even before the logjam, they had a tendency to still switch around the lineup a lot in years past. But if you have everybody playing on the field, one person's going to have to have the day off because, you know, there are only so many slots in the lineup and positions on the field. So, like even tonight, Stanton's already getting a rest day tonight. Stanton's not playing, so it's his turn to rest. So, yeah, I think the lineup shifts will continue to happen. I I do. I totally agree 
with Benintendi at leadoff. What, what you do a DJ at that point, whether it be two or I, I see they're batting him in the five hole, which they've done. They even put him in the cleanup spot a couple of times, which of course DJ is not your typical cleanup hitter <laughs> that the four spot has been known to be in the lineup for ages. But I mean, whatever works, man. And he did pretty good in the middle of that lineup, so I'm not opposed to that. But I definitely agree with Ben Intendi sticking in leadoff. I think he's a great leadoff hitter. Who is next? Let's see. At Nick M538 asks, Do you think Chapman will find it again and the Yankees will utilize him as a high leverage reliever again this season? Ooh. Boy, this that question didn't age well. <laughs> Yeah, that, this question, according to Twitter, was asked hours ago, long before the injury was announced. Or I shouldn't say injury, infection, I should say. That resulted in him going onto the injured list. I should say that. Um, I mean, he had found it for the most part, with the exception of just an appearance or two over the course of the last bunch of outings. No, he really has been much better. But for him to continue to be better and better and better and better... They're going to have to wait quite a while in light of this most recent infection that he got from getting a tattoo. It's just, like I said, it's freaking amazing. It really is. Unbelievable. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to wait a while to see that. High leverage, I mean, I don't think it was out of the question for the Yankees. I think it was possible that they could have used him in high leverage again. At Javier114 asks, can the Yankees pass the Astros? Ah. The million-dollar question, isn't it? I honestly have no idea, man. I mean, if their regular season matchups are any indication as to the answer to this question, the answer obviously is unfortunately no. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were to fail against them yet again because the Astros just seem to have the Yankees' number. I mean, they just do. I'm not going to totally rule it out because I still love and believe in my team at least a little bit until there's no reason to believe in them anymore after the final out. No matter how awful of baseball they're playing and how much they get me down sometimes. Because <laughs> nothing's impossible, especially if they manage to get home field advantage back. But I don't know, man. That's a tough one. I'm kind of leaning towards no. But I also, of course, don't want to rule them out completely. It's a tough question. Because the Yankees could very well put together some hard-fought victories if they have everybody that they need back from the injury list. If everything goes their way, because that's just a part of the game too sometimes. Sometimes things have to go your way. You know, the baseball gods have to make it so for you. (laughs) They have to make it so. So, it could happen. It could. I think this Yankees roster can compete if they don't make their boneheaded mistakes either, whether it be on the field, at the plate, on the bases. It, It just, you know, things have to go right. And I think it could happen, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards no, which crushes me because I'm tired of seeing that movie. <laughs> when the Astros eliminate the Yankees, I'm really tired of it. And will they probably run into each other? Yeah, probably. So we'll see what happens. Rob at Laker 477 asks, Do you think Aaron Judge will top Roger Maris's 61 home runs this year? I'd love to say yes, and I'm, I'm actually inclined to say yes. I'll say yes. But the only thing leaving me a little hesitant is that I could see the league, just everybody collectively, being a bunch of losers. And when he's getting freakishly close, when he's like in the high 50s, 
Just like walking him even more, maybe even hitting him with some pitches just so they don't have to face him. And just really avoiding it just so he doesn't do it. I could see pitchers doing that. (laughs) I really could. So, at the risk of that happening, I'll leave a little doubt in there. But yes, I truly do believe he's going to do it. There's a bit over a month left. And he only has 12 more to go to tie it. He's one off of 50, which is just, there are no more words to describe it. Like I said, the the amazingness, how phenomenal it's been. You start to make up new words at this point. <laughs> but yeah, I do think he will. I definitely think he'll at least tie. I don't know what happens after that. But certainly a good question and, and a subject that an awful lot of people are following right now. An awful lot of people are following. You know, the game's just starting to get underway right now. I'll turn on the TV in a couple of minutes if I'm still answering some questions and wrapping up just to get ready for it. I'm definitely going to watch it right after I'm done taping regardless. Let's do a couple of more. At Laura underscore Icemont, my friend Laura asks, We're going to experience a roster crunch soon, especially with those on the 60-day injured list. What moves do you think the Yankees will make as far as optioning and DFAing? Well, especially because of how many injuries the Yankees has of late. This is a, it's a complicated question. And also, well, don't forget also that the, uh, I know you mainly cited the 60-day injured list and having to clear 40-man roster spots, but especially when it comes to the 26-man currently right now, which is what it's been all year, except for when it expands to 27 for double headers and crap like that. But don't forget that also when it comes to rosters, that the roster will be expanding on the 1st in just a few days, very shortly. So you'll have more breathing room when it expands to 28. But I'll answer this question as if it were happening today, for instance. If the room on the roster were absolutely necessary to make, especially for the 40-man when it comes to guys coming off the 60-day injured list, I guess a couple of guys I would DFA right off the bat if I had to say was someone like Marwin Gonzalez or... And Albert Abreu, I'm just not into Albert Abreu. I've said this many times, many times over the course of the last month or so. I'm just, and there's really not much of a point, like I said before, of Marwin Gonzalez being in here anymore with a younger and also versatile and more skilled hitter, Oswaldo Cabrera. I mean, I just don't really see the point in him being here in here anymore. I don't think Abreu has what it takes to just come in, maybe even in a jam or just in any situation and keep the game at bay. He always seems to give up at least a run in a situation when you cannot afford for him to. I'm just over him, and I don't think there's much of a place here or a purpose for Marin Gonzalez anymore. I just don't. As far as other potential candidates to DFA or option... I think Luke Bard is still on the roster too. I mean, you could send him back down since I think he has one option left being this year, one more option year. So if you want to send him down, I guess you can. You can option him. And yeah, again, the DFAs open up spots on the 40-man roster for guys to return off the 60-day injured list. Guys like Britton, Severino, and actually now that he's on the 60-day now as well, you also got to clear a 40-man spot for Bader. Can't forget about that. So in that case, maybe you just DFA Bard instead of just optioning him. I mean, that'll be up to three 40-mans right away if you were to do that, just DFAing them. (laughs) That'd be three 40-man spots open up right there. And also, you got to make room, just in general, he's not on the 60-day and neither are the rest of these guys, but you got to open up a roster spot too for Carpenter when he comes back, Nestor when he comes back. 
You could also option Y start down also as well. But by the time that these guys come back again, the roster will have expanded by then, obviously. But all the guys you're looking at being out, Britton, Seve, Bader, Holmes, like I mentioned before, too. Holmes will be back soon, so you'll have to clear a spot for him. Maybe they just, just send Weissert back down at that point. Uh, F. Ross is out. Don't forget about Scott F. Ross. So these are a lot of big names you have to consider about clearing roster spots, whether they be the 26 or 28 as of the first man roster or the 40 man. And for the 40 man, you'll have to uh, DFA some guys so you could reinstate some guys off the 60 day. So it'll, it's a tough question right now because you're, you're asking this right upon the border of the rosters expanding. So we'll see. But the 40 men, like I said, is a different story with the 60 day. Probably still going to have to DFA at least a couple of guys. Two candidates right off the bat, like I said, probably just Marwin and Abreu. And yes, I should mention, I know Abreu is hurt right now, but I mean, that's, that's even more reason if you ask me. So... I would just DFA him when it comes to opening up that spot. I mean, I don't think there's a need for Abreu to come back again at this point. I, I just don't. So those are my two immediate candidates, maybe for Luke Bard as well. So they're going to they're gonna have quite a bit of guys coming back in September. They're going to have to do some roster moves. So let's see how many of the ones I just mentioned possibly come true, if there are any other ideas that come about, if there are more injuries to happen from now to then. I mean, things could still happen. So... There's that. That's why it's a tough question to answer. With the rosters about to expand, if even more injuries happen, because for instance, the Chapman one, like I just said, it happened about a half an hour before I started taping here. So injuries just seem to keep on piling up for the Yankees. I mean, it's just ridiculous. All righty. Let's see. I guess we could, we could finish off with the usual final two now that we're approaching an hour 20 here. And I've answered a decent amount of questions so far. Let's finish off with my... Final two, my usual final twos. First up, my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And Vic says, All right, so the Yankees won three to five games in a row, so I can now commence the watching yet again, like I said. <laughs> awesome. That being said, do you think that there is a good chance for us going forward, and what are your predictions for the remainder of the season? Yeah, I think there's a good chance. I think this week has definitely reawakened them to some capacity, so I think that's a big positive. I think that much is evident. You can listen to people talking about, oh, it's just the A's, it's just the A's. Well, got to beat the bad ones too. Before, they couldn't even do this against the worst of the worst, so it's something. And what about what they did with the Mets? Good, hard-fought victory against a really solid team like the Mets. You're not mentioning that. So they got to keep it up. Still got to finish off the season, but I think there'll be a good chance going forward. I still think, even though there was anxiety about it last week, and I was addressing the anxiety, but I did say last week that I still think the Yankees will win the division. I think even more so now. What happens after that, I couldn't tell you. But I do think there's a good chance, at least in that light, hopefully they can grab home field advantage back, at least as far as the American League is concerned, get the best record in the AL back. That's a big thing for me, like I've said. And predictions for the remainder of the season, I guess it's somewhere in the light of what I said before. When I said I don't think that they're going to play quite as well as they did in the first half, but I don't think it'll be nearly as bad as what we've seen the last month and a half or two either prior to this past week. So I think it'll be somewhere in the middle. I think they'll play some solid baseball, and hopefully they just ramp it up come the playoffs and finally make us proud, because, I mean, it is about freaking time, guys, isn't it? I mean, come on. Uh, all right, I'm about to go on to the last question, but now the Yankees are about to start, so give me one second. Headphones just fell out, that's good. I'm going to turn the game on. 
I'm going to turn my TV on. Hold on. See if anything has happened yet in the top of the first. Got to go to yes. Here we are. Okay. So there's one out. So Benintendi must have gotten out. Judge is up right now. Last person, of course, is Julia Gina Scudero, my mom, as always. And her question is, do you think the Yankees are finally on the upswing to what they were before? I do. It's so good to see Stanton back. And also, how happy are you that Aaron Hicks has been out of the lineup? <laughs> I am quite thrilled about that, Mom. Quite thrilled. and But not quite as thrilled as I am to see Stanton back, because I'm just overjoyed about that, as you know, and as everybody else knows, too. As far as the upswing, yeah, I definitely think they're on the path to playing better baseball. Not quite the baseball they were playing in the first half, because that was just of another universe, as we know, but... I think they're in a good place to go forward to finish off the season playing some at least pretty solid baseball. Really solid. I'm just kind of watching the Aaron Judge at bat too. But that basically answers your question, Mom, for the most part. I just want to watch this Judge at bat. It's 3-1 and one on him already. And again, I'm recording on Saturday night. This is not Sunday afternoon's game. Don't get confused. All right. I just have to see what Judge does here because that's my freaking boy. Him and Stanton. Took a strike, it's 3-2. and two. And after the set bad ends, I'll end the episode. <laughs> I mean, you guys already know how this goes, so this is probably pretty boring for you to listen to, but hey, I'm watching it live. So, give me a break, alright? 3-2. <laughs> Ooh, foul ball off his foot, it looked like. Ouch. Did not look pleasant. How did Benintendi get out? Let me take a look. I did not turn it on in time for the Benintendi at bat. So I have to take a look back at that. Oh, he struck out swinging. It was a long at-bat, seven-pitch at-bat. The count was full, and he struck out. Nah, damn it. Oh, well, he's doing a great job still. Don't really care. Whatever. I really do hope the Yankees finish off this series with a sweep, though. They really should, because the A's suck. They really should. Finish this off with a four-game sweep. And Judge took a walk. What else is new? <laughs> It's either a walk or a home run these days because nobody wants to freaking face him either. Unbelievable. All right, Donaldson's up now. And after him, I think it's Rizzo because Stanton, unfortunately, is off tonight. And then DJ after him, Glaber at six, DHing, Cabrera is batting seventh in right field, IKF at shortstop batting eighth, and Kyle Higashioka batting ninth. The catcher, not a surprise to see him in because they're probably resting Trevino and his foot. And also, before I head out of here, I do want to thank you all for submitting your questions. As always, you guys are absolutely the best. I appreciate all of your interactions. I could not say that enough week after week. You guys are just great with all the social media interactions, adding to the show, making it that much better, and I appreciate it every single week. So thank you for your questions for today. With that being said, my friends, that is just about all for episode 152 of Yapping Yankees today. Please remember, if you don't already, to follow me on all social medias. My Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter is at Mike Scudero. I'm over 5,500 followers on there by now. I just cannot believe the following on there. I just, I just can't. One thing I can tell you, though, is that you people are certainly crazy for being willing to follow my crazy ass. But follow me on there, at Mike Scudero, and also on Instagram, Mike Scuds 97 Be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. Those four being YouTube, Apple, 
Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all of them, especially if you're on YouTube. Leave a like on this video and leave a review on all the other three. And if you've missed any past Yapping Yankees episodes, well, you can listen to any episode from 34 up to episode 152 today on YouTube. And all Yapping Yankees episodes going all the way back to episode 1, all the way up to today, are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends... I am your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, September 4th, the final full month of the season, the first September episode. We really are heading up to the end, and I cannot freaking believe it when I come at you with episode 153 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, hang in there, be patient, stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Let's win this Saturday night game and win tomorrow. Of course, you will know the result already by the time you're listening to this. Hopefully, it is a sweep that we can be talking about and wrapping up on next week's episode. And I appreciate you all for bearing with me. I'm recording on this Saturday night because I have a crazy busy day tomorrow. I'm not going to be around, so I'm going to have no time to tape and only a little bit to edit. But I will have this episode out to you. I promise. So let's keep this rolling through Oakland. Let's keep it going against the Angels and win some big games against Tampa next weekend before I talk to you again, my friends. It's time to keep some solid baseball play going after that travesty we witnessed for the better part of a month and a half or two. (laughs) Enjoy your week, my friends. I'll talk to you next Sunday, and let's go Yanks. Take care. (laughs) 